Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table Gaming, episode 67. And today we'll be talking about the Night's Watch updates in version 1.5.1 with On the Table Gaming's editor, Colin Cleosis, and our faction specialist, who you might also know from his podcast, Roll Him If You Got Him, or as the guy who makes those amazing dice trays. He's basically got like a long title now, like, you know, Tormund Giants Bane. He's got four parts of his title. Carl Black. So Carl and Colin, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Man, so, you know, we'll have to talk about Night's Watch, but at the end, Carl, we definitely need to talk about all the many things you're doing, especially those dice trays. Sounds good. You know, right off the bat, you know, we're living in a, a 1.5.1, sort of like a hard to say era, and the Night's Watch are looking pretty strong here. What have been your kind of initial impressions on the overall uh, Night's Watch changes? I'm really not looking forward to seeing Ranger Hunters across the table anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrifying. Yeah. They, uh, and on the other hand, I'm really, really happy that Ghost, you know, the dire wolf that's known for not being able to speak, can no longer take vowels. Yeah. That whole change to, to dire wolves is, is really interesting here. We're going to we'll have to dive into that. So yeah. right off the bat, we got our, our sworn brothers. They, they were actually changed in this last update. It was kind of like a sneak, a sneak change. So their attack profile but went up to one, one die. So it's eight, and then it went up to six, four. Uh, it's seven points still, critical blow, sundering. I feel like people had a long time to acclimate to that change, that increase in points from the, the 1.5 regular updates. But, you know, that's kind of their core block unit. And now along with Ranger Hunters, with their order quick fire, after this unit completes a maneuver or retreat action, the unit may make a free ranged attack action. I feel like this is going to be kind of a really terrifying core <laughs> group of units that the Night's Watch army builds around. The, the Ranger Hunters change is was very welcome because this was a unit that I I liked them before, but anytime you tried to use them, you just you felt that it was forced and it was going to be short-lived. Like they weren't going to be on the table very long. So now with with the ability to get that extra shot in after the retreat, it turns the offense on them way up. I've looked at them conceptually with Pip, adding the nimble to that retreat shift, which would be three inches, shoot, and then shift. You, If you run them next to a unit of the Sworn Brothers, your opponent really has to decide, like, are they going to pivot to where they can still see them guys or not? Because if not, they're just they're going to be able to shift into that flank, Yeah, hopefully, as long as, you know, you're kind of running them towards the edge of the table, but not too close. So if they pivot to face them, well, now they might have Sworn Brothers charging them in the other flank. Instead, I, f I see them making a lot of lose-lose decisions for people in-game. Yeah, it's not it's not something that I look forward to seeing across from me. It's also, it's like, so let's think about Song of Ice and Fire as Pokemon for a second. Okay. Just, just, just bear with me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because I'm already yeah. trying to catch them all, and I've got so many factions. Right. Right. But let's think about like evolution. I feel like the Ranger Hunters now are like the evolution of the Kranigman. This is oh, what they like wow. turn into because this is like Kranigman on steroids. It's a frightening unit. The Kranigman aren't bad by any means at five point for a five point unit, but with this attack profile and with these abilities, these things are just gonna ping pong around the board and just really really do some damage and force people 
to uh, maneuver their units in ways that they would prefer not to, pull them out of position in order to try and deal with them. So I just think it's a really, really strong unit that should see some competition now. I almost wonder, you know, uh, putting Pipper in there is amazing, but is that even necessary, right? That turns it into a 10-point unit right? at eight points itself. Like, I mean, you're making a monster unit there, but oh my God, like even on its base level, like that's... That's ridiculous. Uh, they, they've got so much maneuverability. I mean, what if you were running like builder crossbowmen and ranger hunters and stuck the suck pipper and the crossbowmen to oh give them a little extra? Yeah, the the ranger hunters take the Alistair Thorn commander very well too, just oh. because on that chart, oh. <laughs> you know, there's a good Stop chance. Talking. Don't give people down, ideas. <laughs> you get them down a rank, and then I retreat. If you don't turn to face me, now I'm in your flank with plus one to hit. So it'll be the rolling seven. Yep. Seven on twos on that ranged attack. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. They, Carl, they, what does this do with a your list uh, that you wrote that article on? Because um, you had an Alistair Thorne list in there that I believe had the Ranger Hunters also. Like, it feels like that just pumps that list up another shot. Oh, you mean that, that amazing. That amazing article, Tactics Talk, The Night's Watch Cometh Part 1. Yes. Oh, man, where you had uh, Alistair Thorne leading uh, a unit with the Bastard Girls with Alistair Thorne, Sworn Brothers with uh, Dario Naharis, the Reckless Mercenary, Sworn Brothers with Jacques and Hagar, the unnamed, and then Ranger Trackers. Yeah, it, it was only a six-activation list, which a lot of people see that and write it off immediately. And then if they don't write it off because it has bastards girls in it, but not a lot of margin for error with this list, but pump out you'd have to damage. be smart with your matchups with it, but it mm-hmm. could still be very effective. But would you consider maybe dropping something and just throwing in your ranger hunters instead? I mean, would you take ranger hunters over bastards girls in some situations? Oh, some situations for sure. Um, if you dropped out the ranger hunters then you could just drop out Jack and Hagar, and then you have room for a one point attachment in the sworn brothers. Um, yeah, watch captain. Now that his uh, his abilities have changed. Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. So the watch captain now is has the order oath of the black. Start of any turn, select one tactic zone until the end of the turn. You count as controlling the zone for any vow effects on this unit. And they've got still unbreakable vows. The unit may have two attached vows. One point. That's putting a lot of work. Yeah, you, you got to be smart about when you take that because you know your your cornerstone cards for most Night's Watch players, are your swords and your shield. Now, if you've already used your vow or used your order to activate, let's say, swords, but then you get attacked and you're like, oh, I have shields, but I don't control the zone and I've already used my order. He definitely has a better place now, I think. But I think like in the European meta, we see a lot of like three NCU lists. Does this at all mean that you might consider running Night's Watch with fewer NCUs and maybe give up some of that tactics board control because you know you can count on your uh, watch captains to kind of like cover your your act, or is it just like, hey, rather than taking you know three or four watch captains, it's better off just to take an NCU? Hmm. Like, do you guys feel like you get a lot of value out of just doubling up your your tactics cards, like getting your vows attached, running two vows on whatever unit you're putting your your night's watch captain in? I mean, I'm a big fan personally of prioritizing your battlefield over your NCUs. Three NCUs can be great in some lists, but I don't necessarily agree with some of the European style of always running 
three NCUs and that being a mandatory competition. If it came down to it, I would take a stronger battlefield over a tactics board present and probably 70 to 80% of the list. Yeah, with Nightwatch only having access to the one three-point NCU, right. which would be Craster, and then everything on the battlefield already being a little more expensive than everyone else, it's, it's I definitely difficult to put three NCUs in a Night's Watch list. And that yeah. Alistair Thorn list in particular is running uh Walder Frey. Right. Yeah. You're dropping the big bucks there. Yeah, you're you're not you're not finding twelve points for uh your NCUs there. So in a lot of ways, this kind of like can help mitigate those, you know, the lack of board presence, right? You can still pull out those tactic zones when you need them. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up your example of, you know, swords or shields. Well, you know, you can you can have your cake and eat it too in some limited capacity with this. Right. And granted, those cards are ones that you tend to want those zones. Whereas things like Watcher on the Wall, the Maneuver Zone, Night's Watch aren't really too fond of the fire that burns against cold i mean placing a condition token whatever condition token you want when you activate can be huge if you're getting ready to charge someone who has bad morale and they only have maybe six or seven models left you're like all right i can take out four of them on the attack i'm gonna try to get the other three with the panic so you drop panic token on them maybe they have a good defensive save or you're like, I really don't want these guys to smack me back. You throw out that weekend token. And yeah. being and not having to discard that card, because usually Fire Burns Against Cold is a, a one-hitter for Night's Watch players. They very rarely have the crown. Right, yeah. And I mean, I think this maybe opens up some play with some other units. Now, I play Night's Watch very infrequently, and I'm not one who typically would ever run Conscripts uh, spam. But now with the change to Conscripts, uh, giving them insignificant, but allowing them to take vows. Um, you could make a, a, a somewhat relatively, I mean, relatively to like free folk standards, somewhat burly conscript, like spam list that could attach vows. You put some, the right attachments in there. Like they can be efficient for their cost. That, that's honestly the unit that's been kind of standing out to me the most in this. Um, don't get me wrong, like the change to the Ranger Hunters is great, and they're going to be a really strong unit. But giving the Night's Watch a four point, um, uh, insignificant, we're looking for insignificant, thank you, uh, unit <laughs> is huge for their list building and their ability to, to really just throw out some blocks and allow, say, maybe a unit like the Ranger Hunters to get the position it needs to really wreck some havoc and not caring about whether or not the conscripts go yeah man i don't know i think especially coming from a free folk background and i feel like that's the unit to look you can really get a lot of workout and especially if you know how to use insignificant units it just seems like you could make some really gnarly lists with this i I haven't seen many and i'm wondering if it's just because people don't own like 10 conscripts or something but but I'm, i'm waiting for it i'm waiting for some like someone to start rocking the world with you know some six seven eight combat unit list or something i played against a uh this past weekend an Otto yarwick led four conscript uh Ooh. two uh builder bolt thrower um Ooh. to list a list yep uh, in game of thrones and it was terrifying like the uh the conscripts especially given the correct cards and Otto yarwick can push them out and grab them whenever he needs to right can put out just some serious damage. Seven dice on a four plus 
is not terrible whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you throw a critical blow or toss some precision on there, and next thing you know, not only are they blocking your important units and keeping those uh, ballistas like free and able to just pour bolts into you at nine shots a, a good to go, they're pumping out some damage of their own as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, when I first saw the insignificant and they could take vows, I'm like, hold on. So they're sworn brothers of the watch now, but they became insignificant by doing so. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. They, but, they, 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 uh, they try to make it thematic both ways, but it's like, can't be at the same time. It's, so yeah. yeah, they're they're not Florin Brothers yet, so they're insignificant. Yeah, just having they a literally unit. just took the vow. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is someone's <laughs> got to take this up with HR because this does not seem like good <laughs> policy. They're walking back on their way from the weirwood tree. <laughs> Pretty sure Alice is their HR. Oh look, here's a battle. That's, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, just having a unit that you can kind of put out there that self heals, and then. Just use it to draw out resources. You know, if I'm going against a Brathian player, like I'm just going to charge these guys into you and try to draw out all them cards I don't want you to play on my other units. Yeah, I'm, the the conscripts were I thought a very good unit before, and they got better. So if you're listening and you have a conscript list that has worked well for you, shoot it over to us on Facebook at On the Table Gaming. I'd love to take a look and uh, maybe test out or get someone to test out against me. Uh, because I, you know, I, I expect to see a lot more of that going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about uh, Gior Mormont? We have the 90, 997th Lord Commander as well as the Old Bear version. Uh, so the 997th Commander, he is now stalwart. The unit gains plus two to morale test rolls uh, when he's in that unit. And Will of the Lord Commander, this unit may have two attached vows, and you always count as controlling all tactic zones for any vow effects on this unit. Or you're taking his NCU version due to the Realms of Men, where his influence basically lets you choose different abilities depending on what zone you take. You get the crown. You can only suffer one wound maximum from failing panic tests. The wealth zone, after defense dice are rolled, you automatically block one hit. Or the tactic zone can't be targeted by effects uh, or cannot be targeted or affected by enemy tactics cards or NCU abilities. You know, I don't know. Did you ever really run uh, Jor Mormont? And now in uh, either of these incarnations, Commander or as an NCU, is he more appealing to you? Uh, he's way more appealing. Um, I had never actually ran him in either NCU or Commander. I didn't really get into the Night's Watch until it was like right before the first Heroes box came out. So I was like, there's so many other better options Yeah, that I, I'd looked at his stuff. So I'd played against him a few times in the very early days of Night's Watch, but I'd never really given him serious consideration until now. And I think, I mean, his commander version definitely has some merit to it. I think he could be one of those commanders for that, uh, that conscript spam. Oh, uh, and that's, that's kind of thematic too, right? He's going to whip him into shape. Right. So with night gathers, you can any turn, you could play that card and pull out that that card. Do you think you're going to need real soon? Maybe not this turn, but you know, soon. If you have a unit that is about to get charged, and maybe you want to grab shields to try to get these conscripts through a turn, and then they can activate and heal up. The duty to the watch. It gives them a bonus to morale test, which is the conscripts' biggest weakness. 
and then you can attach it and then auto pass the next morale test if you fail. So that, you know, helps you out for two morale tests on the conscripts. And then the unwavering conviction. Well, I guess that'd be more of a friend of the uh, ranger hunters there. It's a little note I made. Just for things like a Baratheon player, if you're going to charge them and then try to retreat and shoot and you don't want the counter charges and those kinds of things, or maybe a player who has ways to mitigate damage and morale, you could just turn all that off for a turn, get your two attacks in with your ranger track or ranger hunters, and then hopefully kill that unit. Carl, what do you think about actually putting Jor in the ranger hunters? I mean, that ability to to maintain shields of the realm of men on them. Oh, geez. That card to help mitigate their poor defense and keep it on at all times could do a lot towards kind of keeping them in the battle if they do get attacked and then keeping swords on them to just keep pumping out that extra damage with them at the same time. Yeah, that could help you be maybe a little more careless with them to where you don't have to... You could you could retreat sideways and be like, mm-hmm. eh, I might get charged after this if he has a maneuver card or something, but it's okay because you're hopefully gonna pass your morale test with the stalwart. Put you down and to then, a four. Yeah, yeah. not bad. <laughs> and then um if you have shields or whatever, it's it'll always be there for you. You can at least block one or three of those hits, one to three. And then you stick unwavering conviction on them if they have already been damaged and they get hit, that bumps them right back up to their main attack die value. That's true. So even operating kind of behind enemy lines. God, he's going to be a monster. You're still going to be thrown <laughs> it's like, out. It's like all starting to click together here, and I'm like, I haven't faced him in this version yet, and it's going to be not as fun as a free folk player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you – I mean, you might see three conscripts and then two hunters – one with Morma and then one with Pip or basically mm-hmm. whatever to turn the offense up. And they're going to put these conscripts out in the middle for you. Be like, here, come on, go ahead, come to me, attack this worthless stuff that's going to self-heal. And then you have hunters to come in and try to play cleanup. Kind of a, a similar role to what the Cave Dweller Savages used to have. Yeah, that's true. Hey, low blow. <laughs> too soon, too soon. I want to talk about his NCU for a second because I was sitting here thinking about that. It feels like that would be a really strong combination with Peter Baelish. Ah. Like running the, that, that NCU and Peter Baelish to ensure that even regardless of which zone you may need to, uh, you may want to pull or you may, you may want to activate, you've got one of the ones that you need in order to get one of Joe Mormont's abilities off even if it's not the zone you need to take. Yeah, I think one thing to note with his NCU is it's, while influence a friendly unit, it gains the following based on what tactic zones you control. So you can get all three of those benefits on one unit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a pretty heavy investment to have that happen, but... Right, it's a very perfect world kind of circumstance. But still, that's terrifying. But it's doable. <laughs> yeah. Granted, it requires you have three NCUs, which we've already established is a little difficult. Right. And your opponent allows you to have all three of those zones. Right. That's true. That's true, too. But something, you know, one of those pie-in-the-sky things that your opponent at least has to be aware of and, and, and counterplaying into. But if you're playing against Starks or Targaryens, those three zones, they're going to leave open. 
a lot of times because right. they want maneuver and combat. Uh, the other thing is like, you know, I, I haven't run a lot of Dior. I think I ran them like once or twice when I first got the Night's Watch starter set way back in like the November of whenever. But, you know, after running a few times, I started just running John John Snow because I really ended up liking the bonus of having Ghost. Well, now we've got to change to Ghost as well. No, so now direwolves are worth a victory point. Uh, see, you know, the uproar that caused when it initially happened. But Ghost now has uninitiated. He cannot attach vows. And Silent Predator has been changed. So when this attack is selected, enemies may not play tactics cards the rest of the turn, which is amazing. But it no longer does auto uh, wounds. It's definitely a nerf, but I feel like Fair Silent trade, though. Predator is very strong. You've basically got a... a uh, What's it called? Winter, uh, winter's coming. Mm-hmm. That you can deploy at will when yeah. you want to. Six times a game. Six times a game. Right. After watching the night before this dropped, I was watching the Mythico stream with Ron Krasnick, the national champion from 2019, who's a Night's Watch player. And he just like used Ghost to eat a Flayedman unit with a variety of cunning and tactics being played. And I was just like, what the heck is happening? Yeah. And I realized, yeah, those those auto wounds, that that might be the piece that just tips it over. So um, not playing tactics card, that seems like a good enough piece. And now it's truly like a support piece. Right. That's what I was going to say. It really puts him in a support role and not in a, all right, I'm going to keep him in my pocket. And then when it's time <laughs> to come, he's going to come clean up some stuff for me and completely change the tides of the game. I mean, regardless yeah. of tactics, a zero-point unit should not be taking out a pre-1.5.1 Flayman <laughs> unit. Yeah. And I think we all know that Ghost never died on the first attack against him. Very, very rarely. I mean, it almost always took two attacks. I, I felt like oh, yeah. is working. Yeah. when you were going, to, when you would charge Ghost, and you're like, all right, I'm eight dice hitting on threes here, and he saves seven of them, and you're just yeah. like, oh, oh my God. Before Hi. before the morale change, Ghost versus Free Folk would be just like <laughs> I I can vividly remember being like attacked and being like two wounds like that's not so bad. I get a whole tray and then rolling like snake eyes and be like and I lose another six. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and not to mention he would never die before because he was a really valid target for Jon Snow's. It shall not end until my yep. death. Yeah, um, yep. I saw nice watch players using that on him all the time. All the time. So we also have Corn Halfhand, uh, two new updates. Uh, the Grizzled Ranger now orders Stubborn Tenacity when this unit passes a panic test. Unit engaged with this unit suffers D3 wounds. And he has go down fighting. Each time a rank in this unit is destroyed, one enemy engaged with it suffers one wound. If you control the melee zone or the, the attack zone, deal D3 wounds instead. So his points decreased from three to two. So you get all that goodness at just two points. And his NCU version. Uh, had a new influence added on. So he still has the sacrifice for the cause where you could basically kill the model and target one enemy unit, and that enemy couldn't activate or perform actions this round, and they added on or perform actions. So you can't even use, like, a tactic zone to make them do something. But they added on at the bottom an influence, because as if he wasn't good enough, when influencing a friendly unit, an infantry unit, it gains plus one movement and rolls plus one attack die. So now he's useful the whole game. And I, th- I think that's f- fair, though. It felt like sacrifice for the cause. Um, there's a reason you never saw it. Like, the unit was still there. It was still strong. It could still defend. Um, it could still attack the next turn. 
like if you look at something like Tywin Lannister, who's a four point uh, in once per game ability, he gets to stay on the table like after his ability is used, and he shuts off the unit for the entire round and nukes him with three tokens. So at four points, that that it didn't seem like a good trade off. Yeah, I don't know. It's such an interesting mechanic because it's such a uh, scary thing to play against when you know you're coming to the last round and you've got to make some key plays happen, and you know this guy can just you know just drop off and shut down a key piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never used him, but I I I would make lists all the time. And be like, okay, this is a good spot for him, and then I look at that list, and be like, I'm not gonna play that list today. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, if you have a list like that, you bring in a two list format. Is it enough to scare your opponent who's like, oh man, I'm gonna drop my unit of like a ten point, uh, a ten point unit in this list or something? And they're like, oh, maybe I want to take something where my my forces are a little bit more spread out, the power is spread out a little bit more evenly distributed, so that I'm not just getting shut out of the game in the last round or at some point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> at you know the old version. Obviously, I don't. I still don't think you would bring it because I would never want to use it until it was probably already too late. And I this counts as as points destroyed. Is that how that works? So if you're um, you're doing some sort of tiebreaker and you're like, uh, that's I think it would have to. That's yeah, weird. right. Yeah, I think it would. Hmm, but that I would know, be. A... <laughs> if I was playing the old version. I'd be like, well, I'm not going to use them this round because I still need him on the tactics board. Right. Then eventually it'd be like, Oh, I, sh- I probably should have used him because now it's too late. I'm behind too far in activations or but, but points that, or whatever. That decision point got worse now. Cause you're like, Oh wait, but I could just hold on for that plus one dice plus one movement. Like right. maybe I still want that. It's yeah. a nice option to have though. Yeah. I, I like having the option and I'm, I'm more willing to put him in the situations now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, it's just like he just kind of sat on the shelf because I was like, I'm going to go. He's just an NCU three, four, five times until I need this this, uh, this Hail Mary of a play to where like, all right, I have to shut his thing down and then do this with my thing and get this to happen. Whereas now it's like you can keep him or you can use him. You can put him on the board. And then when you need it, be like, okay, now I'm going to kill Corn. And, and think about it like kind of the opportunity cost of your other four point options. So, for instance, you have four points you can spend on corn half hand to really use his powerful ability to prevent something from happening. You have to kill him off and end up losing an activation and points. Right. You could also just run Veras. That's who true. Still sticks around, and you can shut off at least NCU actions, which can be just as important, and you get to do it four times. That's true. So I guess maybe he's kind of. Now the influence is more useful. Before he was kind of just like a win more. I mean, maybe you could shut down that main play, but if if you're already playing from behind, it might not be as helpful to sacrifice him. And if you're already ahead and you can you can afford to sacrifice him, maybe you could have had something else that was worth the points. Um, I I could definitely see taking him now in that the first round. Maybe you influence some ranger trackers. You get them a seven inch free maneuver in a fourteen inch march down a flank. And it's like, okay, I used him well this round. Jeez. Next, next round, you put him on some Sworn Brothers, get them a little bump in a movement, a little extra die. And then it's like, at that point, it's like, okay, he's already done some things for me 
if I have to kill him off eventually, like, eh, I'll kill him. But I, I like that flexibility space. He also, he seems to kind of, it seems like a lot of the units that we've been getting and the units we're going to get, some of the design space decisions are oriented towards discouraging players from bringing Death Star unit armies. Yeah. Um, look at Walter Frey, who mm-hmm. I feel like has been extraordinarily influential on the meta. Uh, your Tywin, um, I feel like uh, Melisandre has a bit of that as well. You can sacrifice some cheap yeah. five-point unit to just keep railing your opponent's power units with uh, morale checks. Um, there, there's a lot of disincentives towards running those 10, 11, even up to like 12-point power units now, and Corrin fits into that space. Which makes me also think that we're going to be seeing much more of a conscript-style meta at some points, but no, we'll see where it goes. There's also uh, the NCU Donald Noy, expert blacksmith. He's got this ability bolster defense now. He begins the game with three order tokens. And just as a side note, I really like when they have like uh, order token abilities. I like sometimes having like that, that finite resource. But when a friendly combat unit is attacked, after attack dice are rolled, you may remove one order token from Donald. That unit gains plus one to defense save rolls, and the enemies cannot expend vulnerable tokens from them for this attack. I think it's a four point NCU. Uh, he he definitely got a lot better because now you have you have three order tokens, so you get to do his plus one defense three times a game. Whereas before, you pretty much only got to do it three times a game, but it, you couldn't do it rounds one, two, and three because right. your opponent would probably take that zone away from you. You. You know, you could do every other usually, but now it's like, all right, I have these three, and if you're running vets, which is the most, uh, you know, I want to save on a two plus for my counterattack, right. especially if they're bringing something like berserkers at me who are gonna hit me with a lot, <laughs> of but I can counterattack them back and probably do more damage than what they're gonna bring here or uh, cutthroats perhaps. But he also gives you a lot of flexibility because didn't he? He had to influence a unit right. before, right? Yep. Yeah. So it telegraphed for your opponent who you were going to help out defensively. But now you just get to sit there and then they'll attack and they'll be like, You're going to use it? Nah. No, I don't think so. You know, they're like, Oh man, I planned on using it this time. And you just get to play that little mind game. Yeah. I feel like Night's Watch has so many tools now. Like there's a lot of ways they can sort of flex and cover their weaknesses. And I'm going to bring it back to the Hunters again, just because I really think they're one of the most fun units in the Night's Watch Arsenal. That's just another tool to help keep them around and on the board if something Mm -hmm. unexpected happens and they do end up getting charged. Right. Your opponent pulls out a swift advance two turns in a row and just moves some unit out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, well, it gives you a couple of safety nets to at least save a few wounds, hopefully. And then the last change was that Scorpion modifications dropped from two points down to one. So they've got that order uh, ready, aim, fire. When this unit is targeted from a charge from the front, they get to make a free range attack before that enemy resolves their charge. And uh, they also have rapid reload. When you're targeted by the maneuver zone, it can replace that zone's effect, but this unit may make one free ranged attack. So I think, was it you, Colin, that were saying that you have faced a a conscript war machine list? And they both had those. How was that? How was that experience? Uh, uh, It was awful. Um, (laughs) 
for awful, I guess. Um, oh, man, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I well, it, it, it hurt me doubly because I completely forgot that they were on there. And yeah, uh, there's just, no attachment to show you like, oh, yeah, this guy has a modification. That's a surprise. I've, I've done that once. <laughs> I, I, I'm never, ever hopefully going to do that again because it was the worst surprise I've ever had. I was all excited. I just rushed a giant like all the way up the field using every uh, free folk movement shenanigan that I had. I was all prepped up and ready to charge a ballista in round one. And then all of a sudden the search sheet went. Mm. Yeah, and it shot me again. And then it shot me a third time because it can just pull any zone it wants to because whatever. It's a nice watch ballista and just pump bolts into everything around. I like to think it's just a wooden Gatling gun at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that that's the that that would come from this. I didn't know if dropping the scorpion modification one point was enough to start seeing this thing on the table. Oh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I I was hoping so because I've always liked the scorpion, but I felt like it's such a niche piece. Like it requires, without the modification at least, it requires a lot of attention to get its point value while keeping it safe and get everything to work. And I was hoping that just dropping the modification down to one point would get people like, okay, you know, I can see putting one of these in my list somewhere. It's it's eight points, but with a conscript (laughs) spam being more viable now, we might get to see it uh, more often than we'd like. I've also always, and Carl, you've had a lot more experience with Night's, Watch, with Night's Watch than me, so let me know if you feel this is the case, but I feel like the Scorpion is very dependent upon game mode, whether or not you want to run it more so than other units. Um, I think ranged units in general, because you, you want to not just have them shoot, you'd like them to be able to, you know, score a token or something, so something like a Game of Thrones, where mm-hmm. you can really dictate where at least in, in deployment, you can be like, all right, this guy's going to go here. This guy's going to go here. That guy's going to go there to protect my flank. And then I have a couple other guys, depending on where my opponent deploys, we'll see where they end up going. Whereas something like fire and blood, you're like, my opponent's starting really close to me. It doesn't exactly give me a lot of time to protect myself, especially if you put like that scorpion, you know, way up there, which you can just drop it back a little bit to make it untargetable yeah and, and not to mention the fact that the, the game of thrones scenario which i really feel like is it's where it's the best suited for is also the yeah. only one where you're not penalized for running an ncu commander right really competitive list at least yep or game mode yeah i mean like clash of kings the scorpions out because you're like my opponent's just going to deploy in a flank somewhere and, and they're going to get to this thing real easy. Well, so maybe having talked through the updates, maybe you guys can help me out. So I don't play Night's Watch often. Uh, and by often, I mean very much at all. Uh, <laughs> usually it's free folk for me, and sometimes I'll dabble with a little bit of Lannister. But, um, you know, Josh and I play all the time. And, uh, you know, when we play, we'll, we'll, he'll sometimes come over to my house to play. Uh, we won't go out to a store. And he's really trying to work on bringing his Baratheons. He always knows I'm bringing free folk. If next time we played, I just wanted to drop a Night's Watch list into a Baratheon force, how, you know, maybe how could you help me make a list that might work for that? What would you suggest going into what we would know would be like a, a Baratheon army using maybe, you know, the two starter sets that the Baratheons have? 
um, limited options. How, what would be the best way to crack open a Baratheon player, you think? So right off the bat, I'm thinking that Ballista that we were just discussing, even though it is kind of game mode situational, yep. you know, you're at a big disadvantage whenever you charge those uh, Baratheon Wardens with anything, or especially if they've got the uh, the Warden attachment in them. Like, mm-hmm. they, you don't get any uh, advantages from charging on the flanks. You don't get rerolls. You don't care about any of that with the uh, Ballista. And you've got um, uh, Sundering on it. Yeah. So it has the capacity to just operate as a long-range can opener. So do you think I go Commander Awful, two Scorpions with Scorpion modifications as a, a base, and fill it well, in with Conscripts? Or should I be... Are, are you trying to win, mobile? or are you trying to have fun? I typically try to have fun when I play these casual games. <laughs> because I'm home, this, But I think it where... might just be fun if he's listening here, Josh. Pause the podcast, but next time we'll come over. We're going to play Game of Thrones, and I'll just drop this just for just for one for silliness. Because uh, this is where the stone thrower comes into these conversations. Okay, yeah. walk Whereas, me through that. That might be that might be the way to go here. I mean, just nobody likes the stone thrower. The Brathians have slow units, so you don't have to worry about them ever getting within that twelve inches. But I. I've had conversations with people before about basically negative play experience because of the stone throw. It's like somebody on that table is going to have a bad time. So this is a, this will be a fun one. Then it makes me sound like a jerk here, but if I'm not going to play at my local store where I'm going to hurt people's feelings, and I'm going to have a goofy game at home where I try to drop something ridiculous. Let's, let's go that route then. <laughs> yeah. So I got uh, myself a, a stone thrower. All right. Well, I'm building uh chases ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I was I, I was gonna see I was gonna see what a stone thrower and two scorpions looked like. Oh my god! What's, what's gonna happen is uh, some awful he's gonna listen to the episode or something. I gotta I gotta somehow now get him to come over here for yeah. uh, before he hears this episode. Um, and then the awful attachment is useful because you could try to pull that the card that gives vicious. Um, morale is a bit of a soft spot for the Baratheons, especially the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. They're only saving on a. The seven, so you throw a little vicious on them. It's likely you're going to get some fails there, even in a Renly army. Mm, if the rated enhancements, okay. Yeah. Well, then, do I need to really fill in? I'm dropping a ten point unit in there. Do I need to fill it out with some conscripts? Yeah, I, th- I think you have to, unless you want five activations. So, so, who are you thinking is the commander, Carl? Well, if if you're running Stone Thor, you have to have Awful in there somewhere, whether it's commander or attachment. Mm-hmm. I, I ran a Stone Thor game once this might be the last time i used a stone thrower or maybe i took like a six month break i ran a double stone thrower list once and i missed six <laughs> of my first seven. Oh no yeah a, a negative play experience for sure i was in such a bad mood because i was like i didn't have fun at all i had i think i only had four combat activations i had uh sworn brothers with john snow sworn brothers with awful oh and then i had ghost two sworn or two stone throwers and i don't remember the attachments but i didn't run stone throwers for a long time after that because i couldn't get awful in position to target the right unit at the right time so i was like oh maybe i should have ran his commander just to recycle that uh his rerolls card so that's i think the attachment you can get a little more bang for your buck especially if you are going to run a scorpion with the stone thrower but if you're just running the one probably the awful commander all right so i'll drop an awful commander here i got my stone thrower 
And then uh, let's see. I'll drop in some conscripts here. Do you think two units, one unit? Probably two, just to keep you from being too far behind in the activations. Okay. I'm at 18 out of 40 points here with my, my Builder I mean, Stone Thrower. You got to run one of them new Ranger Hunters. Yes, right? you guys have been talking those up. Those look amazing. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm gonna I'm build the list with you. Drop in. Um, do I run those Ranger Hunters naked, or should I throw in any uh, commanders here? How many points are you at right now? I'm at 26 of 40 with a bow, a Builder Stone Thrower, two Conscripts, Ranger Hunters, and Opal Yarwick, the first Builder. We look at that one. Commander NCU. What would your, what kind of second CU would you like? Well, I mean, should I be uh, trying to go with a extra blacksmith, trying to make my armor better? Oh no, I wouldn't want that because I've got conscripts. Would I be looking at uh, maybe Corn Halfhand for that? You know, whatever key unit he needs to do anything with. Just being like, sorry, if I want to stop you from Alistair Florenting and flipping things yeah. off zones, or if he's got Melisandre or something ridiculous, shut it down for a round. And corn could be your your emergency situation for if something gets to where it's going to threaten a stone thrower. Yeah, you corn it. Say, hey, I'm gonna turn that thing off for the round, and then you have yourself a minute to try to mitigate whatever that threat is. Okay, so that'd be two commanders there. I'm sure someone at home is screaming, "What? Don't take that!" <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot of people yell that about the stone thrower, but it can oh, be no, fun. This is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It, I'm going to have to have another episode where we have Josh on. He's like, what the heck? And I'll either have <laughs> failed miserably or. Um, all right. The conscript, some ranger hunters. We got 10 points left. All right. So I was looking at, so we've got ranger hunters. We've got two conscripts, stone thrower. We could throw a builder scorpion crew in there is a more kind of mobile uh, uh, threat. Okay. With the scorpion modifications for one point, that still leaves us two points where we could either pump up the ranger hunters or make the conscripts a little scarier. Maybe throw in uh, some watch captains in there. All right. So if I threw a watch captain in each of the conscripts, that would bring me up to 40. 40. Oh, man. Okay. So I'm looking at running. I don't know uh, how effective this would be. That's all right. This is going to be even sillier. <laughs> I was thinking uh, the same thing. I got Awful Yarwick first. So, warning, folks, don't try this at home. Uh, Awful Yarwick first builder, Corn Half Hand, Unwavering Ranger, a Builder Stone Thrower, a Builder Scorpion Crew with Scorpion Modifications, two units of Conscripts with Watch Captains, and our unit of Ranger Hunters. And, uh, you know, as a not frequent Night's Watch player, hopefully, you guys aren't just leading me astray. So I'll play this as a, a friendly game at my house and <laughs> so invite Josh over. Play this at home. Yeah, exactly. What, that way. What uh, average activations do you normally carry in your free folk list? In my free folk list? Oh, I'm up in like 10, 12. I can get up there. Here. Yeah. So, so there's, there's there's gonna be... right there. Yeah. I would want to run this against maybe another elite force. Something that's only running six or seven activations. Hopefully the stone thrower connects and then you can do things like get a unit of wardens down enough to where conscripts can go in and maybe try to kill them off. Or if you, you know, cause in game of Thrones, you can attack. You're going to get to attack in the first round because you have a stone thrower. Whereas yeah. no one else is going to really get to play until late second, maybe probably third round. So if he brings one of them, Big and bad uh, stag knights with the noble. You might have them guys 
gone. Yeah. Before. And if he's uh, trying out proxying anything like Melisandre, I don't care. We don't have a morale value. You can't even burn me. And you may want to prioritize grabbing, even though you're slightly perhaps wasting your own NCU a bit, grabbing the bag first so that after you hit them with the stone thrower, they can't heal back up after for round two. Ooh. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It'd be a good place to use Awful because you're going to replace anyways. This will be my my vengeance. Yeah, yeah, good call. And then, yeah, I would slow play your Ranger Hunters. You don't want them running into the fray right away. Try to get a uh, a Watcher on the wall. Let them attack them conscripts. And then you get a 12-inch march into a flank on the Ranger Hunters. Then you charge the flank, retreat, shoot the rear. Whatever unit it is probably isn't going to be there much longer. All right. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll uh, <laughs> I'll keep people updated. And Josh, if you're listening, look forward to our next game, friendly game. This is after we played. Uh, we were playing a bunch of games recently. Uh, we've been trying to get together and play some more, you know, just casual games that we tested out. A swarm of swords, the like scenario where you attack the wall. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, played that since the first month the game yeah, was out. I, I think that was our same thing we were talking about. And uh, my goodness, is it ridiculous! And it's fun in like a fun way, but not in like a, you kind of used to certain different competitive modes. You know, there's cards like so discord you get where it's like at the start of a friendly turn uh, until the end of the round, all enemy attachments and NCUs lose all abilities. And you're just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hold on. (laughs) We were playing. I had free folk. I I think uh, my Raider units getting to the walls, they just kept shooting me down. And I was like, oh, I, I might not even be able to beat, like, the wall by itself, <laughs> let alone, like, the wall and units. So after that silly game, I've got my own little silly list to drop for a, a surprise game here. You're going to put the stone throw on the table. Josh can be like, are you kidding yeah, me? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just make sure he's not running Frey. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That'll probably be what happens. I drop this, like, surprise. And he'll just be like, yeah. Okay, I have the perfect answer for that. Yeah, on on the good side, if he's running Melisandre, able to mm-hmm. sit there and just burn your stone thrower down. Yeah, and my conscripts can heal a little bit at least. He really well, likes that. He's really enjoying if, Melisandre. If he causes a negative to himself using her ability, that's just all the closer that unit is to being hit by a stone thrower. That's true. That's Let him do that true. round one and be like, "Well, I see my target." Well, this is fun. This is going to be a silly list. I'm looking forward to. So thank you guys for being my partners in crime for that. Yeah, I'm not held responsible for your actions. (laughs) There's going to be a disclaimer. I don't normally try to surprise Josh. This is just for fun. This is going to be my April Fool's Day, uh, my list. Let's see if I can get him over to play. Uh, But anyhow, so the the last thing is not Night's Watch related, but um, Carl, you have these awesome dice trays that I'm sure if people are listening, they've probably seen on the Facebook group. So uh, what's going on with that? And if people wanted to get one, how do they go about um, doing that? If you want to get one, it's just message me through Facebook or through Discord. Um, I'm Wildcard Carl on Discord. Uh, I, I had it because if people, I found out the other day that if they message you on Facebook, like message your profile on Facebook, you get the message right away. But if they message you through a button on a post, it goes somewhere else. So one day I opened those up and it was like two weeks of. Hey, like I was interested in dice trays and I was like, oh, like I've missed a lot of people. So I just messaged all of them last week and was like, hey, I'm, I'll get to you. Like, what do you want? What can I send you some more examples of? 
um, those kinds of things. The whole dice tray kind of started with, I want to, I want to redo our kitchen counter. Mm -hmm. And instead of pretty folk themed. <clears throat> yeah. I think my wife would go for logos on it. But, uh, I want to redo the kitchen counter. And I was like, well, I want to buy the materials and I want to practice first. And I was like, but I don't want to just waste all this stuff. So I was like, well, I'm going to make myself a dice tray. Cause I've made some cheapo ones just out of some felt and, you know, whatever, and tried to color coordinate them with, um, Lannisters and free folk. And you know, they, they function just fine. But I was like, well, I think I can make one with this stuff. And I, I made my first one and I was like, Oh, that, that turned out quite well. So I posted some pictures of that and then some other ones I'd done and, and uh, other people tend to enjoy them also. And I, I can vouch for them. Um, Carl made me a few two weeks ago, and the quality on them is fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm um, excited to get get my hands on one. So yeah, they, and I mean they're all they're all one of a kind. I have a Brathium one that I don't know for sure what I did different during the process. But everyone I show this one to who wants Brathian, like, oh, I want that one. And I'm like, just disclaimer, I've tried to recreate it three times, and I haven't been able to do it yet. I I think I've narrowed it down to what I may have done different, but I'm not for sure yet. And I messaged that the guy who got that one. I was like, just so you know, like, a lot of people want your tray, and I haven't figured out how to recreate that yet. And he's like, oh, well, that I that makes me happy, actually. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> that's good. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing those dice trays keep coming out and uh, and more future articles. And, uh, you know, thanks for all your support and help on getting content out as well. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. It was fun. Always happy to be here. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>